Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 48. We're covering the 2018 CJ Cup on the PGA Tour and the Andalusia Rivaldorama Masters on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Evening to you, Paul. Evening, Steve. How are you? We're okay. We're not doing too badly. The weather's awful. Mm. Autumn's here. But we've always got the golf to see us through. Yeah, to cheer us up for some sunnier climbs. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. You can reach us on our Twitter handles. I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. We are available on multiple podcast channels Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Podtail. And we are now available week in, week out. The podcast is now available on our YouTube channel. Talking YouTube channel, um, update for you up to, I think it's 1900 and, I don't know, 1915 subscribers now on the YouTube channel. So please come to the Golf Betting System YouTube channel. And uh, each Tuesday we do the golf betting shows across both of the tournaments. Come and come and watch that. Give us a like and subscribe to the show. We're trying to get to two thousand subscribers by the end of November. Now, Paul, I thought I'd mention um, we're now getting some visibility of the fantastic reviews that we're receiving from yes. uh, from our adoring public. <laughs> Although some of them aren't yes. so adoring. Some of them are adoring, yes. Some of them, are, some. No, well, listen, we, we we want the feedback because uh, some of it's practical, technical stuff as well. By the sounds of it, practical, um, technical. Um, get rid good. of Barry. Get rid of Barry is a consistent one. Um, there was no need to disappear to Las Vegas and Houston, though, Barry. Um, he is back next week, chaps. Um, don't don't worry. Barry is back in the chair next week when he gets back from the United States of America. Barry, of course, a key part of this podcast now i'm just going to read some of these out um these were the ones that we received last week as we always say the reviews um the rankings that you give us on itunes the likes all of the subscriber numbers everything you do across youtube itunes on all of the podcast channels it helps to keep all of the content free at golf betting system and of course as paul said it's a lot of it is very practical stuff now first one um, awesome podcast, five stars. You should each pick one uh, across both Europe and the US as your lay of the week. That is from Getting Square via Apple Podcast. Mm. He's in Australia. Hello. Hello, Australia. That's an interesting point, isn't it? It's, uh, you know, we clearly have our fancies who we think are going to go well. Um, yeah, picking out a dangerous game, though. Dangerous game, picking out a layer of the week if he goes on to win. But, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll all have a, an idea of who's particularly unsuited to a particular event. Food for thought. Now, this is the kind of year, time of the year where you and I will sit down and think about what's... Uh, I'm always there to be shot down. I, I think of the top four at this week's um, CJ Cup. I, I would personally lay... Jason Day, who I don't think's in great nick, but yeah, it gets expensive, and I don't really want people banging on my front door saying I lost a lot of money laying <laughs> one of my bets. But uh, we'll have to bear we'll have to bear that in mind. There was a piece, you know, when we used to do the um, 
last year, Paul, we were doing quite regular um, DraftKings pieces. Mm. And I used to do a, a, a piece on there um, about what of the top you know, guys over a certain value uh, you, I wouldn't pick. I had quite a good record. Yeah. yeah and I, I had I one guess... guy say to me, when, when we stopped doing the reviews, I said, oh, why have you stopped doing them? Because the guys you were always telling me not to back, would, would I, you, were, you were bang on week in, week out. Yeah, it's, it's interesting with because you, you're far safer in that respect with DraftKings because you know if you if you swerve someone who happens to do well then you know it's not necessarily the end of the world. Um, if you go and lay someone who's uh, who then costs you a lot of money, it can be a different game. But yeah, clearly we've got players that we think will go particularly well and, and not. I, I, yeah, food for thought that one as to how we might integrate that kind of thought process into some of our previews and podcasts for next season i think review two fantastic i'm not making this up listeners i am not i promise you was was this from s bamford i'm promising and it's not from my wife either i'm promising you we are not making these up fantastic five stars in fact let me check the stars Uh, let me check i do want to be quoted yeah five stars absolutely five stars right okay very knowledgeable reviews. The predictor on the site is brilliant, and I must mention, Paul, it's free of charge. The preview of the type of golfer on each course, including the weather, is invaluable. Your Facebook group is excellent, our Golf Betting System Facebook group. If you're new to that, listeners, um, you can come and join that. Uh, sometimes the volume on each mics, or sometimes the volumes on each mic, are wildly different. Sometimes it's hard to hear Paul. Now, we're actually working on that feedback. That is from Not Today Junior at O'Leary C5 via Apple Podcasts in Ireland. Thank you for that feedback. We are working on sound quality, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's useful to have that kind of feedback because then we can uh, can take some action on it. So hopefully this week's one will be um, better than the previous ones. If it's not, then then let us know and... uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do from there. Upgraded equipment, using different techniques to get a, get a better sound quality. Right. Third one, five-star review. Guess what? Five stars. Five-star review here from a fellow Irishman, even though no Barry on the podcast this week. This was clearly last week. No, Barry wasn't around. He isn't around this week either. Great job by Stephen Paul on a weekly basis. A must listen for all, or sorry, for any golf fans. Tell Barry, this is funny, tell Barry that Gary Woodland will get there eventually. Keep the faith. That is from Richard Walsh 7 via Apple Podcasts, and he's in the UK. Guys, thank you for your feedback. That brings us very, very smoothly. I'm doing a segment here. Uh, very, uh, very smoothly into Gary Woodland last week. Yes. Oh, uh, close, six, but no cigar, eh? I was close, wasn't I? 61 in round two. Uh, tied, tied leader at 36 holes and 54 holes. And fair play to Mark Leishman. He, he got away, didn't he, on Sunday? Played some mm. brilliant stuff. And then, and then I don't really understand with Woodland quite... I suppose he's pressing the throttle or maybe just had a bit of a lobotomy moment. But um, bogey, bogey, bogey. And he didn't even have the yeah. decency to bring me a full each way payout. 
Yeah, bogey, bogey, bogey doesn't really work on that course. It was it? strange though, Paul. Sixty-three holes. Yeah, it was either one or two bogeys Woodland had hit. Yeah, all it was week. playing well. And then, I think it was eleven, twelve, thirteen. Bogey, bogey, bogey. Mm. That has to be. I don't care what you say. That has to be some kind of mental fortitude type issue. Pressure gets to them all, doesn't it? It's not easy to win, is it? You know, we, we saw the week before with. Till Hatton and uh, Schnedeker, both of them relinquishing very strong leads in the in the back nine of their events. It's it's not easy to get over the line. And I don't Gary, think Gary. Sorry, it, it, I say he's, he's never been that kind of clinical finisher, has he? But you know, even some of these guys who you'd think you know have shown an aptitude for it. No, going, Matt Wallace is another one. He was in position a number of times last week at um, at Walton Heath um, to make a real. Go at the tournament and uh, and drifted away. And, he went. Know, he went on the bogey train, didn't he? Back yeah, nine. he did. And, you know, finished finished thirteenth. Yeah, yeah. And Man. we've seen we've seen him do the exact opposite. And uh, you know, and that guy's won an awful lot of events in terms of you know as a proportion of the ones that he's played. It's tough for all of them, I think. Tough for all of them. But yeah, so uh, Leishman got the job done. Um, Four PGA Tour victories now. That was twenty-two to one. Mm. Um. I know we were on him last time at Conway Farms at 45s, and now he's starting to win tournaments at 22 to 1. The odds are tumbling on Leishman when he's winning now. Yep. Um, you would, this was it. You wouldn't call him an arch closer, would you? But at the end of the day, someone's got to win these tournaments, and Justin Thomas left himself far too much to do. And, you know, a very high-quality player came and got the job done. Yeah. He, he certainly, his conversion rate's certainly gone um, up massively, though, Leishman, over the last couple of years, hasn't it? Yeah, it's three in the last two seasons, isn't it? Or it, yeah. it, would, it would be three in two, and I mean, it's three in two calendar years, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. That's good, you know, for, for any level of uh, professional golf, that's pretty good going. And two wins in the season for Eddie Pepperell as well, winning over at Walton Heath. We had a little, nice little wander around Walton Heath on Thursday, lovely little track. First time I'd seen it, actually. It was um, it was a great golf course, wasn't it? We mm. we thoroughly enjoyed it, didn't we? We it was like four seasons in one day, wasn't it? There was you know it was getting hot at certain periods, then the wind whipped up, then it started raining, uh, then you had a mix of everything. Yeah, we were and sitting down at one stage, weren't we? And and, and a load of tables blew over. <laughs> It, yeah. uh, and that, that that must have been gusting 35, 40 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, and then within half an hour, blue skies. It, it was tranquil. Mm. Yes, you could you could easily easily have got caught. That was on Thursday. I know it got progressively worse, and you know the Sunday weather was horrible, wasn't it? But um, yeah, you, you could easily get caught um, out at a various point in the day just with a you know a, a big gust of wind or you know a particularly tough spell of weather for a period of time and uh, other people wouldn't have experienced it but um, but no but yeah Eddie did the job um, none of my guys all of mine got through to the weekend but none of them uh, could make a specific move so 50th in the official golf rankings going into that and then he cements his spot in the world top 50 now at 33rd mm. so he's going to be getting a Masters invite in December, all of the majors are taken care of, all the WGCs. He can go and actually play on the PGA Tour if he wishes. How do you think his game stacks up for the States? Um, or was I that it, the I, start I, of a downfall, as no, we see with so, so many? 
I think he's clearly a very very capable player. I think a lot of it is between his ears. Um, I think he focuses when he wants to focus, and other times he, um, for whatever reason, he isn't completely focused, and, uh, and and the results will drift. Clearly, he wanted to, you know, this this was a focus week for him, and uh, you know, yeah, he had a bit of luck along the way, as you do. You know, I think with any golfer winning a a regular tournament they don't you know that they haven't run away with you'll find there are periods of time where there's a you know there's, there's a putt that's hold that's you know particularly long or you know I wouldn't say lucky but you know um, to get a hold in one to hold his second shot on the back nine didn't he on Sunday there's you know a couple of uh, a couple of shots and points in the event you could point to you could say well you know that could have gone slightly different and uh, it could have been a very different result Alexander Bjork could have, you know, could have easily won that if, uh, you know, either either of those shots hadn't gone in. Mm. Um, and he Bjork, was he was coming off something silly like four missed cuts, wasn't he, Bjork? He, yeah, if you looked at his um, incoming form, you'd have just discarded him on the basis that you know he looked like his game had completely gone to pieces. But uh, he does play better on some of the tougher tracks, and uh, he he you know he had a chance, didn't he? He really did have a chance. Jordan Smith was another one who popped up again back to him a couple of weeks ago, didn't I? And uh, he wasn't a million miles off. Julian Suri was another one who caught the eye. I was, he was originally entered into this week's event at, uh, at Valderrama, but um, he hasn't appeared on the betting and uh, has dropped off the entry list. So, um, But he would have been one to take a serious look at this week off the back of some form last week and uh, a top yeah. 10 of Valderrama. Uh, I noticed we should... Year. He's he's well in the top sixty now, race to Dubai, isn't he? So mm. you know, with, with this Valderrama um, event being pretty much, it's, I mean, it's two thousand two million euros. Yeah, is, it's it's pretty much small fry for for the European yeah. tour, isn't it? Even the yeah. European tour. I t- we'll talk about that in a bit. I was going to go th- firstly for the CJ Cup. Firstly, mm. because I'm not that far down the track, um, and. I know that you've published your preview, which is available at Golf Betting System. So um, we'll talk about that secondly. Yep. I think we have to go CJ Cup at Nine Bridges on the basis that it's packed full of Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Jason Day and Hideki Matsuama and Mark Leishman. So, you know, the five, five high-quality players at the top end. We mm. then got the likes of Casey, Billy Ho, uh, King Louis, Xander, Cam, Cam Smith, um, Tyrrell Hatton's making an appearance. I'm seeing him at 18 to one with one bookmaker and 33 to one with others. Yeah, it's a mixed opinion there. Yeah, Adam Scott, Alex Noren. He's got a great record in career, Noren. Lots and lots of top tens. Yeah, it's just not been quite firing, has he, in uh, the last few months? But... Do you think he'll have taken something out of the Ryder Cup though? He's got, he had two points, didn't he? Won his singles, yeah. last match of the singles. Yeah, big old putt at the end, you know, wasn't it? You, to, you uh, and I always say, bent grass, bent power. Um, European, is, yeah. cool, North Europe-type conditions. And with yeah. it, we're looking again this week. 15 to 20 mile an hour winds. This has just changed, by the way. Fifteen. To, it's got worse. 15 to 20 mile an hour winds. And this is half the reason why I haven't published. Um, is because I want to just keep a very close eye and get as accurate a wind forecast as possible. Because this Nine Bridges track, it's um, it's a pretty stock track over in on Jeju Island, which a lot of people, when you read about it, link it to um, 
Hawaii, mm. very similar. They also relate it a lot to Southern California. Temperatures, trees, the, just the whole climate. Yeah. And it was really clear. Um, I looked last year before, you know, before they come to this golf course. Um, the last event played on Jeju Island, which was a kind of semi PGO Tour event, was won by Aaron Olberholzer. That takes you back, eh? 2002, Paul. Mm. I can remember when we started in 2008, you used to talk about Oberholzer. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. That's, that's dating us. Mm. He'd finished fourth and sixth at Torrey Pines in his career, uh, uh, sixth in Tucson in the desert. Fourth, sixth, and first at Pebble Beach. He won the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Fourth at Colonial. He'd finished second in Boston. And he'd also finished second at Quail Hollow. So that was the mix of courses he'd done well at. Yeah. Now, that wasn't on this particular course. But when you read and uh, I saw interviews with him, he was really relating it to Southern California. Yeah. And, he, and he got... I think he was from Southern California, and he, and he related to that. Now... You then go to the winner here last year, one Justin Thomas. Uh, he's won at Kapalua. He's won at um, the Sony Open in Wailai. So, you know, both of the events in uh, Hawaii got the job done. He had a top 10 on his only appearance at Torrey Pines. Uh, he's clearly a winner at Quail Hollow because he won the PGA Championship there. You know, it's just uncanny really, a lot of the stuff that he had that related to this old Beholzer chap. Yeah, seems to be a lot, a lot of correlation across the two records, doesn't it? And then he won in a playoff from Mark Leishman. Now, if you remember, go back to last year, Thomas had won in Boston, Leishman had been winning and then threw it away. So again, there's that TPC Boston link. Mm. Um, Leishman then went and won the week after at the BMW Championship when we were on at 45-1 to 1. and then Justin Thomas then finished second at the Tour Championship at East Lake to win the FedEx Cup Playoff Series came here via the CIMB Classic and he and uh, Leishman tied at 9-under now the interesting fact there is and this tells you about what we're dealing with here he shot 9-under in round 1 Justin Thomas and Nine under was the score that got both him and Leishman into the playoff on the Sunday. Yeah. So that lead did not increase across Friday, Saturday, or Sunday in terms of the winning, in terms of the leading score. Mm. That shows you how tough this golf course played when it had quite a gusting northeasterly wind. We're talking up to thirty miles an hour on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So it was tough then. It was tough conditions. I think it ranked in the top. I mean, this is PGA Tour, so bear this in mind. You know, we know what we're dealing with week in, week out on the tour. Um, but you know, it, they don't play tough courses like uh, some of the European tour stuff is. It was fourth out of fifty-one courses last season. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's right up there. Then. But Thomas shot nine under on Thursday when it was pretty soft and pretty tranquil. Um, there was six, five or six shot six under, five or six others shot five under. When it was tranquil, it was described as a straightforward golf course. So it's purely wind-related. And yeah. it's, it's 3,500 feet up the side of a mountain on Mount Haller. So it's also at altitude. Yes, and it it's makes sense. Really... Yeah, it's, it's very, very um, 
on a sea, sea, you know, sea-based island, mm-hmm. it's um, very out there in terms of exposure. So I don't know really. There's only one player that I've backed so far. I've gone for the Japanese player Hideki Matsuyama at fourteen to one. Yeah, I must say when I looked at the stats originally this morning, he topped an awful lot of the basic stats that would suggest it go well there. Bit of altitude um, history, hasn't he? Goes well on bent grass. He plays well out in the West, doesn't he? Yeah. If you look at his West Coast form, Hideki, it's actually very good. The only places he struggles at, and we know why, because he can't cope with full Poana greens, pure Poana he struggles on you. Mm. Any mix of bent in there, he can get his head around it. But pure Poa, he's always one of those guys that I walk away from totally. So actually, you look at him, second and third at Kapalua, uh, he was also, he's actually got a top 12 and a top 16 at Torrey Pines, because he's got the length, he just can't putt on those greens. Mm. He's also a two-time winner at Phoenix, second there as well, and a fourth. We know he's also top five at Riviera. So, you know, West, Con- West Coast form, which I think you're looking for here, he's all over it like a rash. Um, 11th at Quail Hollow, but also he was fifth the year where uh, at the PJ Championship. And he, you know, the courses just relate to him. They really do relate to him. Top ten at Colonial. There isn't. There's a lot to like about him. I think he was third for greens in regulation at the at East Lake, where he shot um, around two sixty six, which was second best in the field. And then he finished the tournament at East Lake with a sixty five, which was tied first in the field on the Sunday. So he's yeah, clearly he's, in very, very, very good nick, yeah? He's, he's been far more prominent, hasn't he? I know he's had a little niggles with his uh, his wrist, hasn't he? But um, over the last couple of months or so, you're going back to the... yeah, it was just after the PGA, I think, wasn't it? And then after that, he's been kind of... Yeah, just looking at his results now. 11th, 15th, 4th, 15th, 4th at, um, 4th at East Lake. Yeah, there's some, uh, some very positive results coming through there. Listen to this. This is this is the bit that really swung it for me. Uh, twenty six. When you look at his career, he loves to harvest victories in the autumn. Wins at the twenty sixteen Japan Open and WGCHSBC Champions. Both came in October. Wins at the twenty fourteen Dunlop Phoenix and the twenty sixteen Tao Masters came in November. And we can add the twenty thirteen Casio World Open and the twenty sixteen Hero World Challenge to the list. All in all, I've been anal enough to count them all up because that's kind of the rubbish thing I do. He's had 19 top 10 finishes on the PGA and Japan tours since 2013. What do we talk about, biorhythms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He obviously likes that part of the year. Something works well with his game. How do you think the... I mean, I think a lot of people will either go with Justin Thomas, who is as short as 5-1 to one this week again. He was 8-1 to, uh, eight, eight to winning this last year on the back of winning the Tour Championship, and he's 5-1 to one this yeah. year. Um, and also, Brooks, uh, Brooks Kepka, of course, will be very popular. Yeah, a bit of 10-1 about Brooks, isn't 
He's won twice in Japan at that Dunlop Phoenix tournament. That's the mm-hmm. tournament that Matsu Armas won. Uh, Justin Thomas finished third there before he won um, the CJ Cup the year before. There's something in that tournament. And when you look at it, I also looked at the geography. That is played in the most southwest part of Japan, which I reckon is pretty much about 100 150 miles away from Jeju Island. Yeah. So yeah, the con- the conditions, the time of the tournament in October would be exactly the same. Yeah, so he'll feel quite comfortable with that, wouldn't he? I mean, of the two, clearly JT was, uh, going back to the Ryder Cup, he was in far stronger form, wasn't he? He was, you know, he, he was the star of the show for the, for the US team. Um, both of them, though, both of them, Paul, can grab that world number one spot this yeah, week. And I yeah. wonder what kind of vibes that has with these guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a lot of potato at the moment, isn't it? But yeah, JT was what, the backdoor top five last week, wasn't he? Um, mm. Would I be taking him at five? You know, it's a little bit of six to one about at the moment, but that probably won't last. Um, that doesn't really appeal to me, no, but um, he, he, you know, he wouldn't put it past him. Um, at all, would you to to go and win this event? I tell you, a player that jumped out to me. I mean, I'm not going to um, firm up who I'm heading with, but I mean, there's some. I've got some names here that are interesting to me. Carl Stanley's interesting to me. Mm. Um, I think Chess and Hadley played brilliantly last last week. He's got a good record at places like Pebble Beach. Um, he's he's led or been very close to lead at Quail Hollow. And you know with Chesson, when he's finding fairways and greens, and at this time of year as well, he is hot when he gets confident, Chesson Hadley. Yeah, yeah. I know you picked him up before, so you're clearly reading quite uh, quite well. Well, he's also 60th in the official golf uh, world golf rankings now. Yeah. So one me. more big result, you know, and he's in the top 50 for the first mm. time in his career. And we know what comes with that. Um, yes. that's a, he jumped from 75 to 60th with that second place last week. Yeah. And what um, did we see last week with um, Pepperell? 50th. Now he's now he solidified his spot. Yeah. 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 There's going to be a little bit of movement over the next few weeks, and particularly with the European Tour events, because they're some big, big chunky events, aren't they? Got the WGC as well, which is another another one that's going to attract a lot of points. And to be fair, not all of the top 50 play it by any stretch. So. The guys that are over there will be uh, clearly focused on, uh, on on what they're doing, but there's going to be a door open for some of the guys who aren't quite in the top 50 to, to make a move, I think. Mm. Oh, for sure. It happens every season. Mm. I'll tell you another one that jumps into my thought process. I think JB Holmes, he's playing some really nice stuff at the moment. Mm. 66 to 1 on JB Holmes. And if you think it through... Torrey Pines, his record there is outstanding. Yep. Um, he's also had top fives at Pebble Beach. I think he's had a second at Pebble Beach. He's also um, won at Quail Hollow. And I've noticed with him, been putting really nicely. And then last week, he actually started to hit a very nice amount of greens. Mm. Can he win a golf tournament? He's another one of these chunkers, isn't he? But yeah, one I always prefer in the first round leader market myself. But uh, but yeah, he's shown shown some form, isn't he? You're talking Torrey, other players. Uh, Schnellick's got a great record at the Torrey Pines, isn't he? Forty sixth in the world, Paul, right now. 
he's he's got his fingernails in there with that second place that he had a couple of weeks ago. Don't yeah. you think that fifty to one's a bit disrespectful about Branch Yeah, potentially. You know, given given how close he was to winning, clearly that you know that was going to knock his confidence or his mental state a bit last week, and uh, that, so it proved. But these guys are pretty resilient in the longer term, aren't they? Get it out of the system, come back to fight another day. But, you know, on a golf course that's shouting Torrey Pines, yeah? Mm. Quail Hollow, TPC Boston, he's finished in the top three in the past, and he's not even a long hit-up. Although he has added a bit of length to his driving. Um, Pebble Beach, two-time winner at Pebble, two-time winner at Torrey Pines, and he's 50-1. to Yeah. Yeah, given that he could very easily have won a couple of weeks ago. um, Does seem a little out of kilter, that price. Well, just to let you know... Um, if you're looking at the key stats from last year, and I know it's only one year, blah 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 blah. But if you took Thomas and Leishman, and bearing in mind they both won, at, uh, they both got into playoff at nine under. Driving accuracy thirty six. They don't actually list uh, driving distance at these Eastern tournaments on the PGA Tour. Greens in regulation, they averaged fortieth between the two of them. Scrambling thirty ninth, putting average third. So it was all about a hot putter. Yeah, and we know that you can get very warm with the putter, can't you? Schned. Schnedeker. That's a cracking putter when he's on form, isn't he? I'll tell you another player that jumps to my mind, and he's at triple digits, and he finished with a top 10 round in the field last week. Jimmy Walker, 125-1. to one. Mm. Great record at Torrey Pines, fantastic record at Pebble Beach, winner there. Yeah, he's, he's very good out west, isn't he? He is very good out west. Mm. If there's some correlation there, then yeah, potentially. Keith Mitchell, he's a bit of a bomber. Whether he can cope with the wind, I'm not sure. 125 to one. Is there anyone at big? What about Nick Watney? He's been showing up recently. Is he old Nick Nicky boy? Yeah, some snippets of form there, isn't there? The only one I've backed is Stuart Sink, who caught my eye last week with the uh, the 63 shot in round three. Um, yeah. You know. As you say, with a bit of wind, he's former Open champion, so we know he can he can handle a little bit of wind. Um, and for me, the move to bent grass is going to be positive for him because I see him as a bent grass positive player as well. Mm. Um, Greens in regulation last week, eighty six point one percent, third in the field, which yeah. is pretty strong for him. Very very strong. Well, that's his game, isn't it? Yeah, he's absolutely. a monster, mate. But then I, you know, I've, I've also in my mind, I've got him down as a decent putter when he's on form. You know, he can, he can make uh, he can make a score. Fourth at the USPGA was um, a bit of an eye opener as well. You know, he, he threatened to do a, a, a bit before that. He got a couple of top four finishes at uh, St Jude and the Travellers, didn't he? And then fourth at the USPGA. But yeah, a hundred to one felt like it was um, another price that was a little bit overinflated to me. So that's the only one I've snaffled up so far on Monday. Mm. Anyone at the top of the board? No one at all. You interested? No, not really. I, the, the only one that I, that again, did catch my eye was um, Hideki, but um, I, yeah, I, I haven't quite decided which way to go with that. Um, might have a little win-only saver on him, given the price, but uh, I'll uh, decide that overnight. I think. If you look at these tournaments, it's, this is the third tournament in the um, wraparound season. Mm. More one, more one in twenty thirteen at thirty-three to one. Streb is an outlier. Seventy-five to one, he won the Shriners, or sorry, the McGladry in twenty fourteen. Although I don't see that tournament anywhere near the quality. Yeah. Then CIMB, Thomas was a twenty-five to one shot. 
And then the HSBC was in this time slot last uh, in 2016. Hideki won that at 25 to one, and then Justin Thomas won this last year at eight to one. So again, that 20 anything shout south of 33 to one is a very sweet spot for this for this schedule point in the PGA Tour. Yeah, yeah. Which I know is a bit of a chore, but. Um, I think of any of the top 10, if there's one I might be forced to go for over and above Matsuama, it might might be Xander Schofle. But, don't know. Would you... Yeah. I classified um, I classified his performance as um, at the Open as a windy performance. Yeah. I'm Potentially, record, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at my records here. Hence for, the, the, for the Sunday, you're talking generally. Or yeah, I, you know, I t- for the for our predictor model, I make yeah. notes, don't I? I take notes of wind type performances, and for that, I noted the final round was the round where it really did kick up. Yeah. Amazingly enough, you'll you'll love this. Bearing in mind the conditions we saw last week, yeah. Eddie Pepperell. Oh, was I, the know. Best, I know. Best round of the day at the Open Championship. And he'd won at um, he'd won at Qatar, which is always perennially windy. Um, there, I, I, it always frustrates me when, you, when I go back and look at my notes afterwards. But um, the note I had next to Eddie Pepperell last week was ticks every box, and I didn't back him. That was the one note I'd made against him. And it's just like, yeah, move on, Paul. Why didn't you back him? <laughs> no, 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 I'm being just serious. I'm sure listeners are... Because, you know, 28 to 1 in that field wasn't that bad a price, was it? No, I know. I kind of got myself um, tied in with some longer prices from the outset. And um, I guess by, by the time you get to that point, everything else feels like it's poor value. But, but yeah, I, you know, once it got into position, I went and looked at uh, the notes and the stats that I'd made against him and um, just read the single kind of throwaway comment that I'd written next to him, which... Uh, and gets you slapping your head. I tell you why I'm slapping my head. The player that you and I thought might win this, Luke List, isn't even in the bloody field. <laughs> Get this. Last two recorded win rounds. One was at Silverado a fortnight ago where it was it was gusting over 30 miles an hour in that final round. Luke yeah. List was joint best lead, uh, scorer in that windy round. 67 five under par, yeah? Mm-hmm. And at the Open Championship round four, he was in the top. He was he shot a sixty nine, so he was in the top six on that particular round in windy conditions. Yeah. So there's a we need to make a mental note. Well, tough, put, yeah. tough track, yeah, tough track, windy, loot list. Ball striking wise, he's top, top draw, it's just, isn't he? It's just often, well, it's not more than often. It's just the putter that lets him down, but. Um, I backed him on the previous one where he, he, he got a, a share of the top, um, a share of the each way places. So it wasn't massive, but um, got a little bit back. But his final round passing performance was mm. far, far superior to anything that you tend to see from him. So Cold yeah, you, know, you, yeah. you and I have discussed him and waiting for him to to pop back up because that you know it could be what, a flash in the pan or. You know, there could be something positive happening in there with his putter. And if you combine a positive putter with Luke List with his ball striking prowess, um, it should be a very potent combination. Here you go. This is from Silverado. Ryan Moore, Luke List, 67. 68 in that windy conditions, yeah? Merritt, mm. 
Cameron Davis, Cameron Champ, none of them are playing. JB Holmes. He's in Paul. He's in. I like Holmes. I know I know people go, oh, he'll be slapping their forwards. He's back in another bloke that'll never win. But the thing with Holmes, he, he just loves he's got so some of these courses, Torrey Pines, Pebble Beach, Quail Hollow, Boston even. He's got top four at Boston. Yeah. Yep. He ticks every course, correlating course. He was here last year, but he, he was playing abysmally. This year, I think he's had a top top ten and twelfth last week. And he's starting to hit greens. It, they're great, huge, wide fairways here at um, Nine Bridges. You know, even if you're a poor driver like uh, Jason Day, you're still hitting seventy percent of fairways. Yeah, that fits JB Holmes perfectly. He can just muller it, absolutely muller it. I think he's good, a good shout. He's in then, so he'll, he'll be in my preview when it comes out tomorrow. Oh. And then we're next week we're on to the Sarnesons Farms, and you're on the HSBC WGC. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm, I'll be a bit glad to get rid of these short fields because you don't tend to get a lot of value in them. No, you do. Yeah, you sometimes dig in for value where there isn't value there to be had, aren't you? Which um, can sway your decisions. One more note, Sung Jm. You know this new Korean chap? Yeah. Grew up on Jeju Island. And also played this course like it was going out of fashion. Yeah, yeah, and he had a decent, uh, a, a decent finish, didn't he, on the uh, the first of these full series events? Fourth, yeah. The the bookmakers know it though. Forty oh. to fifty to one, Sun yeah. Jm. Yeah, but then he it was very good on the uh, on the web dot com last year, wasn't he? Very yeah. good. And they, they, some of these guys can just step it up, and I think he's one of the ones that we need to be very wary of um, over the next few months yeah he's you know he's up there exactly the same price point as Benny Ann Kyle Stanley Kevin Nahr Schnedeker and yeah he's shorter than yeah. like yeah that that's that's a that's either that you well it just seems overpriced to me yeah it's a difficult one isn't it and how many times have we said about all this local knowledge, blah, blah, blah. I read a lot of interviews last year of a lot of the Korean players saying they were so nervous playing in their, you know, playing on a PJ2 event in their homeland first time, blah. And yeah. they and you could see most, oh, the of, them were, most of them were out of contention after round one. Yeah. yeah. Pressure's well, on. But then some of those guys can just step up to the mark, can't they? And uh, he's, you know, he's one of the ones who looks like he's going to be more capable than than some of the others. Absolutely. Right then. I always think this is a shame because the golf course is one of the best, you know, top five golf. In fact, both the golf courses this week are probably two of the best golf courses on the planet. Mm. Um, and I know that the one here at um, Nine Bridges is revered by a lot of golfing analysts and experts. Um, it's a it's a cracking test. Totally different to Valderrama, but this is a beauty, an absolute beautiful, classical, tight, traditional golf course. Um, and the field is relatively weak, as because it's it, you know I'm glad that it's a regular on the PGA, t- uh, sorry on the European Tour now, you know because it it disappeared, didn't it? But you know it just yeah. doesn't get the support because of, of the timing and also the, you know the prize fund is so po- relatively poor. Yeah, and but the, the, I, I always enjoy watching it very much. Yeah, as, as you say, Valderrama is a cracking course. I mean, after we've had a, a challenging couple of weeks for the players, haven't we? With 
the Dunhill Lynx, which was, um, you know, it was it was tough conditions for a Dunhill Lynx. Generally, it's a proper birdie fest, but it was um, it was pretty challenging for the guys. And again, there was a challenging week last week at Walton Heath, and uh, there's no respite really. You're off to Valderrama, where it's as you say, it's tight, tree lined, um, a proper technical test. Um, where I know last year the winning score was twelve under, but generally, you know, you, you get in some events where, or some, some some tournaments where it's finishing, you know, close to level par. You go back to the previous year, um, where Andrew Johnston won his maiden European, tour, in, his, in fact, his only European tour event, and he won won over par in the Spanish Open there. So it's um, it is a tra- tricky test. So so yeah, as you were saying, it only it used to used to host the um, season end in Volvo Masters back on the European Tour um, back in the day, and yeah. uh, they uh, they launched this Andalusia Masters, and then that kind of dropped off, and then um, it was missing for four or five years, wasn't it? and then uh, back to the Spanish Open in twenty sixteen, and now we've got this Valderrama Masters, which is picked back up. So as you say, it's nice to see it back on the schedule. We haven't seen a schedule for next year yet, but let's hope it continues as part of the. Uh, part of the ongoing schedule it is a funny point in the year isn't it because we've got after this we've got the uh, the big events at uh, Shishan and Turkey uh, Sun City and then uh, the Earth Course in Dubai so um, this is the last proper event for the kind of mainstay European tour players and uh, we'll go into that in a second but some of the guys have really got to pull their, pull their finger out if they're going to have their playing privileges for next year um, so this is Sergio's tournament. So where we've had uh, previously, you know, Justin Rose was uh, the tournament host last last week. This is Sergio Garcia's tournament, and he won it last year as the as the host, so defending champion this year. He won at five to one last year. He's four to one generally this year um, in a standard European Tour event, which kind of tells you quite a bit about the field from the outset so four to one there's a little bit of nine to two one book is just popped up at five to one but i suspect he'll go off at four to one across the board wow um, sergio garcia which that's that's like uh, tiger woods in the uh in the zero zero isn't it yeah yeah i'm not entirely sure that, that any other correlation could be drawn to it other than the price but yeah it's um wow that seems a little skinny to me so we we got we got a five to one favourite in Korea and a four to one favourite in uh, Spain. Yeah, yeah, double them up. What are you getting five and five and six? So Thirty to one, twenty nine to one. Mm. Yeah, good luck to you. But yeah, so Sergio's favourite Shane Lowry, who's he's not quite there, is he, Shane? But he's showing little bits of form here and there. But twelve to one best price. He's down at eight to one with a few of the bookies to win this week. Lee Westwood, 20s. Soren Kjeltsen, 20s. Soren's got a, a very strong record here at Valderrama, actually. And um, in my kind of preliminary analysis, um, as anyone who's looking at history would have come to the same conclusion, he's, he's got a cracking record. And actually, he's been showing some decent snippets of form over the last few weeks without really getting into into the top end of contention. But 20 to 1 for Soren um, doesn't feel particularly generous to me either. Uh, Harrington is a late entry into the field, twenty to one. Um, again, you know, I've backed him the last couple of weeks on some of these wider, um, more open tracks, and uh, he's played okay, but he's not really got himself into into a winning position. But uh, twenty to one on a far tighter track, um, again, that doesn't really appeal to me. I must say, 
Beef's 25 to 1. Beef didn't do a great deal last week either. No. Um, Yost Loughton, who I backed last year here, and uh, he looked for a long time like he was going to win, or he's, you know, he really had a chance of, um, of pushing Sergio to the uh, to the end, but he couldn't quite uh, couldn't quite get over the line, Yost. Um, and he's coming back here. This is his first start after having wrist surgery, and um, again, you know, how how is he going to pick up? Um, straight off the back of that uh, that that break, he's going to be rusty. I'm sure he's going to be rusty. Um, some good reports coming out. You know, he's talking a good game in terms of how he feels his game is and how he feels his health is. But um, and he's, he's clearly um, earmarked this as his return, um, having not been quite ready for the KLM Open. Um, but um, it's a leap of faith as to whether you go for someone like Yost who's uh, clearly not paid for a while. So lots to uh, lots to ponder with this. Um, I was originally, I mentioned a few seconds ago, Julian Suri was one I was quite keen on um, to see what kind of price he was going to come in at. But um, he's pulled out. Um, Andrew Pavan, who played well last week um, in parts, is another one who kind of fits the bill here. Um, hits a lot of greens in regulation. Um, he's pulled out. Um Adrian Otegi is another one who kind of falls into that bracket. He's pulled out. So there's, there's been quite a bit of uh, to and fro with the field this morning as well. So um, I know the bookies were generally up quite late with their prices as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it has posed quite a few questions. But I've, uh, I've come to some conclusions, which I'll go through in a second, and, and, uh, and gone, for, gone for some long, longer prices um, that I think are going to be in the ballpark for an each way place or better. I think it's, it's funny how you you know you have to decide how to play this because you look at the top of the market and you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take Sergio at four to one. But he goes and wins and then everyone else is playing for a place. Mm, yep. Um, you know, you don't back Shane Lowry because you're saying eight to one, 10 to one, you know, 12 to one at best, really. And he goes and wins. You're playing for a black, playing for a place. So, you know, even if you're backing some of these players, you know, if you're going for a... For beef at twenty five to one each way, you know, you, you, if if you get an each way place back, um, you know, you're doing well to break even on the week still, just for, just for the bet. So, you know, I've kind of gone a bit further down the, uh, further down the list for my, uh, uh, my picks this week, and there's a lot to consider this week because, you know, you've got the course, it is a tight tree lined, uh, Trent Jones Classic, um, it's relatively short, it's under seven thousand yards, past seventy one. Small bank bank grass greens. It's generally suitable for players who are neat and tidy off the um, off the tee with their approach shots. Tiny little greens, so you've got to maximise greens in regulation. But if you look through the stats of the GR stats of the players who've won this over the last few years, um, generally the GR stats are down in the sixty percent. You know they're way down on some of the events that we normally see. So your short game's got to be good. Your putting's got to be good. Your approach play's got to be good. Your driving's got to be good to stay out of trouble. You've got to be tenacious enough to be able to take the bogeys on the chin and and move on and you know and, and not completely disintegrate. Um, it's a proper all round test. And as you said at the at the top of the uh, top of the introduction to this, it's it's a cracking advert for the European Tour and uh, and, and for golf on the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um. The other aspect that's, that comes into play here is that you've got a number of these players. It's a relatively short field. It's only 125 players. Um, it's a relatively short field, and a number of these players are playing for their playing privileges as well. So they won't have um, the opportunity to play 
um, the HSBC, they won't have, they won't qualify some of these guys for or all of these guys that are outside of the one ten for um, for the, the kind of big bucks uh, Rolex series events at the back end of the year. So it needs must for some of these guys if they're not going to go to Q school this year. So those sitting on the bubble of the one ten. In fact, I think it's going to extend slightly further than the one ten. Um, this year up to maybe one sixteen something like that. Who was it last year that was it Wade Ormsby? Or uh, there was also was it Brooks, the English guy, the young English lad that managed to get his card by finishing. Yeah, third. Brooks and uh, and Ormsby both both of them were on the bubble. One one side, yeah. one one the other, and both of them finished in the top five. Both That's of them, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of them uh, got their cards sewn up as a result of their performance here. So yeah, you know, there's precedent for it. And if you go back to all of the previous years, you'll find stories of people who've snuck in at the last minute. Jamie because, Donaldson. He did yeah, it only the year before, I think. Yeah, there's, there's uh, again. You, if you really dig back, you know, even when it wasn't Valderrama, you know, you've had different events that have taken this spot. But um, it's well worth considering because these players clearly it's their livelihood, and they, you know, a lot of them they don't want to go back to Q school to try and qualify for next year. And um, equally, if you go slightly above that, you've got players who want to get into these positions to qualify for the race to the for Dubai final. So um, you know you've got the events that come up before that, and that will extend slightly further down than the top sixty because not everyone will play. But um, and by the time you get to the uh, to the Earth course, you need to be in that top sixty position to qualify for the uh, for the race to Dubai final. So there's a lot of jostling for position for one reason or another this week. And those players who are just outside the top 60, kind of in the 70th, 80th type positions, a lot of those are going to be um, very focused on their performance this week too to make sure they can accumulate as many points as they possibly can. So a lot to consider. Um, and then you look at the market and look at the top of the market. And, you know, for me, there's I, I, I can't see any value there. There wasn't anyone who stuck out at a kind of a reasonable mid-price who I thought was really worth backing, I must say. And I, I mean, you've had a qu- quick look at the uh, market, Steve. Was there anyone there who caught your eye before I go into my uh, tips? Well, we know, this is it. We know we need, don't we? We, we need someone that's that's ridiculously accurate from tea to green, yeah? Well, yeah. Or, or you, you can have to have someone who's extremely tenacious, great around the greens, who can get themselves up and down, safe par, and, and convert birdie chances when they get an opportunity to do so. But I, for me, it's, yeah, if you can start with your core competence being tee to green performance, then that's going to be the great, you know, the best foundation for your attack on this title. I think. I mean, there isn't a lot there, is there? I struggle in that sweet spot. I mean, Matthew Southgate, fifty to one. Yeah, yeah. You know, he plays his best golf on open, linksy type tracks. So, mm. does this really suit? No, not right. really. And um, I, I struggled. I really struggled at the top of the market. I mean, my my first um, my first player I've backed comes in at seventy to one, which was uh, which is Young and Wang, the uh, the South Korean. Um, mm. Now it's his first attempt at this, and you know, if you look back at a lot of the history, you have got the likes of Garcia, who's got an outstanding record here. Um, Simon Kelson's one here who's got an outstanding record around it. Um, so there's one school of thought that says, well, you know, you need or you should have some uh, some course history here. But then Beef won on debut. Um, Jeeve Milka Singh back um, in the Volvo Masters days, I think it was, he won here on debut. So debutants can win. Um, equally so can experienced um, players who obviously clearly get on with the course. 
Um, I've gone for Wang because I think he's got the kind of skill set that really appeals to this. He's he's got three wins, only twenty three. He's got three wins on the European Tour already. One of them was at five under, uh, five under total at the, at the Trophy Hassan Durf back in twenty sixteen. He won at six under at Mauritius in the same year as well. Um, and you know if you're seeing those kind of victories on a player's CV, you know that they're not necessarily going to be the ones who really appeal to a, a, a birdie fest. They're going to be the kind of players who can uh, can grind when they need to grind. They're the ones that can um, get their head around these tougher tests. Um, he went through a really poor patch earlier this season. He missed seven, seven out of nine cuts. But he started to put it around at, um, at Grand Sociere. He's 12th there. And he shot 64 in the final round that week. And that was his best round of golf for um, two years, um, just under two years. So clearly something started to percolate there. Could have played, or could have finished much better at a Calum Open the week after, um, save for a 76 in the third round. Otherwise, he'd been right in contention. And he shot the rounds of 69 and 70 last week at the, um, at the British Masters at Walton Heath. And that was with his season's best ball striking performance, third in driving accuracy and fifth in greens regulation. So it suggests that his long game is um, is in decent nick. He's 85th in the race to Dubai, so he's not one of these guys that's struggling for his car. That's all sewn up. But with a decent week here, he can push himself um, into the reckoning for those um, those final events um, where the where the big bucks really start to um, start to come in. So I like Wang this week. He's actually he's been back quite heavily. So there must be some other people out there who have gone down a similar kind of thought process mm. uh, to me with him this week. So he's the shortest of my prices this week. I've also gone for Ashley Chester's. Now, if you look at any of the um, ball striking stats, either driving accuracy or greens and regulation or a combination of the two, the Chester's is perennially up there. He's a very accurate player from tee to green. I think that would really bode well for him here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he missed the cut last week at Walton Heath, um, but if you look, he started with a poor round 77, 78, 79, something particularly that just took himself out of the out of the game effectively on Thursday. Um, and then he shot a bogey free round on the Friday. Still missed the cut, but clearly gives him a little bit of confidence. Um he was sixth going into the weekend at the Dunhill Links the week before, so there's some decent underlying form there, I think. And if you combine that with the fact that he was 12th here last year on debut, and he's pushed on quite a lot since then. Um, and he shot 69-68 over the weekend last year, and only three players were better than that in the whole field. So he got his head around it, I think, after a couple of days, and his game fits very nicely in terms of the requirements for this test here. So that's Chester's. He's a hundred to one. I got earlier. Eduardo Molinari. I backed last week. I'm gonna stick with him as well. One hundred and twenty-five to one. Um, he finished sixteenth, um, which was reasonably good. I, I would have hoped he'd have produced a little bit more than that. But his ball striking was good. His fourth for driving accuracy, ninth for greens and regulation. And again, if you look at his wins, they're all kind of around the nine under, ten under, twelve under bracket. And bear in mind, this was twelve under, which one last year. Again, it kind of fits into that bracket. It might be slightly lower than that this year if the wind blows. We shall see. The forecast has been changing quite dramatically over the last couple of days that I've seen. So we need to keep a close eye on that. But it's, we know it's always going to be a tough test around Valderrama. Um, last year, I mean, again, if you look at his um, his raw finishes at Valderrama, miscut, miscut, 42nd, 58th, it kind of suggests to you that um, he doesn't get on with the track. But... He's described it as his favourite course of the season. 
He was eighth going into the weekend here last year. Then he picked up, he, he, he ate something dodgy on this Friday. He picked up a stomach bug or got a bit of food poisoning. Yeah, clearly wasn't feeling good and, um, and and went dramatically south after that over the weekend um, from a great position going into the weekend. So I suspect that he's actually got a far stronger chance than his history here would suggest. And mm. um, I thought 125 to 1 was well worth taking a chance on. And there's a couple more that I've picked that um, I think have got a chance of making a... Uh, a stab at an each way play. Stephen Brown was one, and we talked about him briefly in previous podcasts. And he was one that I'd picked to potentially go with last week at Walton Heath because he's a local Surrey boy. Um, and uh, he wasn't in the field when we talked on Monday. And in fact, I didn't pick him up in the field until the event actually started. So clearly, it was a very late entry into the event at Walton Heath. And um, Going through the part of the day on Friday, he was sitting there in second spot. So, given that most bookies didn't, didn't even list him um, pre-event, that would have been an incredible coup for them had he have gone on and won it. But uh, he dropped away in the end. But um, he's uh, he's clearly a capable player. Thirty-one year old. He's slightly old. He's one of these players who's kind of come to the game a little bit later than um, than some of his peers. But shown some form recently. Seventh in Sicily. Lost in that big four-way playoff to Matt Wallace. At the maiden Denmark. Yeah, that's right. He was the one that actually got to the second hole with him, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, so he, yeah. He he put himself in in position to win it. I mean, you know, clearly Wallace was putting like, um, yeah. you know, out, out of his skin at that point. But um, had he, Wallace not made that birdie part on the first extra hole, he'd be sitting there as a uh, European Tour champion now. So, but it's it's a case of needs are must now for Brown. Yeah. Um. Well, he's ninety seventh, so well, he should I, be okay. Yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd say he's fine, given that it will extend further than the 110 this year. But again, you yeah. know, these, that, that can work in a number of ways. It either takes the pressure off completely um, and, you know, allows you to go and play some golf and, you know, carefree golf. Or you can focus on the fact that you could get close to the top 60 with a decent decent event here and, you know, potentially get yourself access to Turkey or to... Uh, uh, to to Sun City to get yourself um, you know further closer to that top sixty at that point. Um, his greens and regulation were fantastic last week, seventy seven point eight percent. You know, given those tough conditions, that's a cracking performance. So, um, I thought it was worth an extra chance at one hundred and twenty five to one. And then my final one, he does need to make a move. Is Marcus Fraser one hundred forty sixth? He sits right now. Um, and his, uh, ex- his exemption for the Maybank 2016 win will have been running out at the end of this season. So um, unless he's got some some career-long exemptions, which I've missed, I can't see any reason why he, he, you know, he's going to need to be fighting for his, uh, for his card. Um, and it's got to be happening this week. So he's actually seen a bit of a, um, an upsurge in terms of his performance because he led the Daniel Links after the first round um, a couple of weeks ago. He shot four under at Carnoustie on uh, a t- tough opening round. And um, he was second going into Sunday. He was, he was right there. And he'd look at a player who's not really been in contention for the season and you know, you probably said, you know, expect him to drop away. And he did drop away, unfortunately, for him. Um, but you know that, that's the kind of thing that then galvanises you for the next time you get an opportunity, and perhaps, perhaps it will step on for him this week. Um, final round of seventy last week um, in Walton Heath, which was good, and the final, the back nine, which was playing pretty tough on Sunday, he went bogey free around that. So again, a nice little injection of uh, 
little bit of confidence going into this week as well. And you know, if you're looking for a player who's better on these shorter, uh, trickier tracks, then that's the kind of thing that uh, is right up his alley. That that uh, Maybank uh, that he won was one of these ones that was on a uh, a short classical tree line test. Um, and when he plays well, he can hit a lot of greens. He can hit a lot of fairways. Generally, it's his short game, and he's a fantastic putter. And then every now and again, you just get everything clicks with him, and he can go and win. And I thought 150 to one um, was worth taking a chance on um, a player that clearly can get over the line, clearly can struggle from time to time. But then all of these uh, players are often in the same kind of boat, aren't they? So yeah, that was my team of five, which is. Um, a little bit further down the list this week. I think it's a tournament which, you know, with the with the white the, the lack of depth of field, it kind of forced you down that route, doesn't it? Weren't you on? Yeah. Was Loughton forty to one from memory last year or thirty threes? You managed to. He was. On? Yeah, it wasn't quite forties. I think it really was thirty three, someone in that bracket. But um, you know, he's another one of these players that had a decent record coming into the event from a course form perspective. But didn't necessarily have a massive recent current no. form. I think it. I think it only got like one top ten for the season or something. It, 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 you know, there've been some little snippets of form here and there, but um, he played really well. He got an albatross in one of the holes that you may may recall. Oh, I do. Really, yeah. yeah, really catapulted. He him pushed into, Garcia into, the whole way, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he had a chance right up until the end, and uh, you know, unfortunately for us, he, he just couldn't get over the line. But um, but yeah, I I could. Yeah, he, he, if he'd been playing more regularly um, this season, then he probably wouldn't be forty to one for the start because because of the seen that. But uh, you know, he might be one worth taking a chance on. But you know, given that he's been out for a prolonged period of time, and um, you know, he's, he's going to be testing his wrist out for the first time this week, um, I couldn't quite pull the trigger with him. I must say, we shall see. We're looking forward to the event. As you say, it's nice. Um, Nice course, decent test for the players after a couple of tough weeks as well, and uh, a bit of fireworks as we come down the uh, stretch on Sunday with everything at stake for so many of these players. I expect Padraig Harrington will come and bite you on the bottom. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm just seeing his second and fourth here in 2006, 2007, and yeah. we we're all over him like a rash last week because it should. You know the way that the course played, the way that the conditions were. You, it really would. It, you just thought it was going to be one of Harrington's special weeks, but his putter was at it was one point nine three putts per GIR. Oh, stone cold, absolutely stone but cold. But he actually hit tons of greens, didn't he? Yeah, he's been he's been hitting a lot of greens for a while now. But um, the the week that it com- combines the two, he will win. And yes, those those old events you were looking at were very restricted fields. They were even more restricted than the uh, the seventy eight. Some of them, mm. so um, the the results can be a little misleading. But even so, he clearly he got himself right into the mix with those. Um, but yeah, I if last week was the prime prime week. Absolutely, you know the conditions wise and a linksy style course with a bit of wind, bit of weather coming in. You know, nice technical type of scoring level. It was right. Yeah. You know, it was tailor made for a for a Harrington win last week. Yeah. And um, I'd gone, I'd gone heavy on him, and uh, he just, he just couldn't get himself into the mix. So, mm. so yeah, probably come and bite me on the arse this week. I wouldn't be surprised. 
Probably like Gary Woodland will for me. <laughs> I feel like I have to put him in just to put him in. Yeah. And, I'm... you know, at the end of the day, it, this isn't just me saying this. You know, you've got to, you've got to realise, you know, this is Richard Walsh 7. He's saying keep the faith. Keep the faith <laughs> in Gary Woodland. I mean, if I'd have kept the faith in Emiliano Grio or Bronson Bagoon, I'd have had a quite nice payout last week. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But again, it was one week after itis. Mm. Mm. You never know, do you? Well, at least if uh, Woodland does win this week, that will save Barry from having to back him for the rest of the season. Yeah, true. Because he's going to be playing the HSBC the week <laughs> after, so he'll be all over him like a rash for that. Oh dear. And he'll be about 14 to 1 by the time they get to the OHL at Mayakoba, where he actually plays quite well. Yeah, if you can still back him at that price. Barry, Barry won't be able to back him at that price, nor would I. Well, thank you for your time, Paul. A pleasure as always. Yep. And, best of luck uh, this week. Yeah, best of luck to you and best of luck to all of our listeners. I hope you enjoyed the, uh, enjoyed the show. As, uh, as we said at the top of the show, if you want to leave some reviews, some comments, it'd be most appreciated, especially on iTunes and uh, on the Golf Betting System YouTube channel. Some thumbs up and some uh, new subscribers would be most welcome with the Golf Betting Show uh, coming out for both Valderrama and for, um, for the CJ Cup tomorrow. Thank you for your time and we will see you again next week for the last World Golf Championship of 2018. Goodbye.